<laughs> it is for the moment. Yeah, I know Michelle can't come. She's stuck at her house with something. Yeah, but you're here, so that's what matters, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. So today you can come in. Hi. So today, good morning. Good morning. I think they're all the same except for the packaging. So I can just choose the bag that I like. As far as yeah. I know. I've told this to so many people. This I hope really I'm hard. <laughs> um, so it's a tough choice, but... Yeah. Okay. Go. So I think we're going to spend the morning loading bags. Um, the topic today is kind of introduction to Kabbalah's Malchus Shemayim. It's obviously Shema. It's also very timely very easy, for Rosh Hashanah. Very easy light topic. To easy today. light yeah. topic. Yeah. Bye. But it's also it's also very helpful going into Rosh Hashanah to talk about Kabbalah's Malchus Shemayim because that's really the mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah. So, so it's it's good all around. Okay. So to start this off, I think I want to. Sorry. I don't. I, I started one, but I didn't end up printing it. So. Actually, let me reload that because that's supposed to have a refresh attachment. Oh, yeah, except this is today's notes. <laughs> you could tell it's almost jumped Right? You could tell. Well, only when, when I managed to do it. Right? I don't manage to do it. So then. Okay. Um. Okay. Shira, I think you could close the door for us, please. Thank you. Shira is five and closer to six than five. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. So, the principle, and this is something that we have talked about before. Gosh, it's hard to know where to start. I mean, oh, I'll have to. This is from this is last week's one. Were you here last week? I have the last one. Okay. Yeah. So this just kind of referencing back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, where we are in Shema is this level that is just over the line into the supernatural, right? So there's the natural and there's the supernatural. And we're coming from below and we've been working our way up. So that's point number one. Point number two is this part of ourselves that we're using over here. It's gonna be really exciting. This point that we're using is our seichel. It's our mind. Mm-hmm. So this is the avoda of the mind in serving Hashem. We've already worked on the avoda of the physical and the avoda of the emotional. And now it's the avoda of the mind. Um, we're also in the heichal. So we're in a more holy place, which means we're also somewhat removed from the outside world in this part of the Beis HaMikdash. We're more enclosed into the space of godliness and more removed or sheltered from the space of the physical world. So all these factors are relevant to what we're going to be talking about. We have also spoken in the past about how every creature has its shira has its song. And that was kind of in Pesuke de Zimra very much at the theme, right? And it's something we know, let's say, from Yaakov. So when Yaakov was fighting with the Malach of Esav, and he finally won, and the Malach says, let go of me, 
I have to leave because the morning is breaking, the dawn is breaking, and Rashi explains over there, and I have to go sing my shira. Everything in creation really has its shira, right? There's a parak shira that lists everything from, you know, we know more the animals, but there's also the winds and the oceans. Everything has a shira. We have a shira right here. <laughs> okay. People also have a shira. So what's our shira? If we're reading Sukkot de Zimra and we're so inspired by all this, and we're looking at everything, we say, well, we want to be a part of this, right? Rav Hirsch says, calls it something like, what, what part will you play in this magnificent orchestra? Like, mm-hmm. you look at that and you say, I also want to be in there. Where would I be? Mm-hmm. And that is kind of the culmination of Sukkot de Zimra, which is Az Yashir. Mm-hmm. There you have Shira, sung by people, right? Mm-hmm. And that culminates in Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Va'ed, Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Va'ed. Hashem will rule forever. That's a big hint <laughs> if we were wondering, so what's the shira of a person? If everything sings shira by fully being what it was created to be, right? Hashem creates the sun and its shira is, you know, people talk about the music of the heavenly spheres. It, it, there is this shira, there is this song of the spheres that is a shira on a spiritual level, but in the physical realm is is the sun moving in its orbits and providing heat and light and energy to the world. Everything that's created when it's functioning in accordance with how Hashem created it to serve him is singing in shira. So that means that people have a way that when we are behaving in some certain way or we're in some state, that would be our singing shira and that would be our totally realizing who we're meant to be and how we were created to be. And that is recognizing Hashem, Zekeli van Vehu, right? Singing it out, which comes more the topic from last week, which was Dea and Dibur, right? Recognizing Hashem and singing it out. And then saying Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Ba'ed. Okay. So when we acknowledge Hashem as the creator and we praise him as the almighty creator, we are fulfilling our purpose. So now we're at the stage of Bechira, of choosing, which means that the Avoda is to use our Bechira, which is the special quality we were created with, to recognize Hashem and to acknowledge Him as the Supreme King and Creator. But not through the emotional uplift per se. It's related to the emotional side. But specifically, there's an element here of choosing, of using my will to do that. And when we do that, then we are fulfilling our tafkid. Now, we've also, we spoke last week about how each person, this was more from the Rav Hirsch's Horev on, on falsehood, right? Each person has a different view of the world. Did I read this one? I'm trying to remember if we read it out loud. Here. No, I didn't, but I have it here with me. It was in last week's handout. But not on that page of it. Where's that? Here. This where it says falsehood, lying, flattery, and hypocrisy. Yeah, that was from last week. And we, I think we ended up not reading from it last week, but that was, I had on last week, okay? 
So just as God has endowed the human mind with the faculty of mirroring the reality of its owner's external world, so also has he given him the faculty of revealing to others the reality as known to him by means of his language. Mm-hmm. This is the Vayiparbaap of Nishmas Chaim. Okay. And thus, the individual can live not only according to his own experience, but the whole of mankind, sorry about the noise, can cooperate for the improvement of the human mind. The individual can inherit the spiritual treasure of all mankind, and by becoming richer in truth, also become richer in justice, and lead a life of action instead of a life of mere experience. So he's saying that the key point is also not just that you receive knowledge from others, but that it affects your behavior. In such a manner, yeah, which, by the way, in Shema is critical. Meaning in Shema, you use your intellect and your Bechira to choose to do God's will. That leads you to a new level of an emotional state. In Pesukah Zimra, we got to Yira Shemayim. We hope. We worked on it. We get a taste of Yira Shemayim. could taste real Yira Shemayim in Pesukah Zimra with enough effort and time and siyata deshmaya. But in Shema, we're going to use our Bechira, and that is going to ignite a new feeling in us, which is Ahava. But Ahava has to buckle down to something practical. And in fact, in Shema, it starts off very, really, like, romantic and passionate, and then becomes, okay, and here's how, and you're going to put it on tefillin, and you're going to hang it on the door. It has to come back down into the practical. Yes. It's very thrilling. and But at the same time, there's always this, now you've got to take it into something tangible. Okay. It should change how you behave. Okay. Man should rely on his brother for the spiritual good, which is truth. So even though all of us humans may have the same avoda and the same way we're trying to reach it, because we each are going to acknowledge and experience the godliness in a different way, it's slightly different for each person. We each add another facet to it. So you are very excited. <laughs> she's six and a half months old. I'm going to see if I... you don't mind though. Feeder, which will probably be a quieter activity. Um, okay, so I'm just pointing out that despite the fact that what I'm saying is sort of universal, it's, it's universal and yet it's absolutely unique at the same time for each of us. Okay, so now... In this last week's Parsha, because now, so what, how does the choosing work then, right? So in this last week's Parsha, you know what, before we get there, let me share with you from Rav Schwab about this concept of Az Yashir and the Shira and where it's going. And this helps to understand how we're moving from Sukkot de Zimra to Shema and specifically with regard to Kabbalah's Malchus Shemaim. Okay. Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Va'ed. We said that's the peak, that's the climax of Az Yashir. 
Hashem will rule forever and ever. So what Rav Schwab says is this. The Mechilta, which is the Medrash on Shmos, says, Rav Yosei Haglili Omer. Now, by the way, when you say Hashem Yimokhalamvet, it like, it's, it's amazing, right? It's like a soaring thing. When you can even touch a little of it, it's like, wow, I wish I could be carried by that awesome feeling. But Rabbi Yosei Aglili said, Ilu Amru Yisrael al Hayam, Hashem Melech Le'olam Va'ed. If the Jews had said at the sea, Hashem is king forever and ever, Lo Haya Uma Velashon Sholetes Bahem Le'olam. No nation or other language, meaning no other culture, would be able to dominate us ever. There would have been no Golos. There would have been no, like, that's it. We would have achieved it all. Ella amru Hashem yimloch le'olam va'ed, but they said Hashem will rule forever and ever la'asid lavo, in a future time. Okay, la'asid lavo means like in the messianic time to come, but meaning it's, it's in the future. It isn't now. So at this moment of the loftiest conceptualization of a Kaddish Baruch because we got to Zekeli Van Vehu, and we know that Rasa Shifcha Al Hayam, right, that even a maidservant, that the Yamsuf had a higher level of Nuvua than even Yechezkel would have later on with all of his, you know, the Merkava and all of that. You do your job and I'll do my job, okay? Okay. Even then, they said Hashem when they could have said, it seems, Hashem Melech Le'olam And you would think at that moment, at the climax, it was the present that, tense. That they would have felt that it was <laughs> Yeah. But yet they were still going to be in the future. So the question is why? Because it seems that they could have said it, which means they did feel the intense presence. <clears throat> Otherwise, it wouldn't be relevant. Like, nobody's saying about us, unfortunately, that if only we had said that this morning, right, it would have all been different. So, I mean, maybe it would have been when I said that. Um, you know, you need to really seriously settle down. Okay. So, he says what the Mechilta is telling us is that we really were at this incredibly high level at Yamsuf. And we made a choice. There was a moment of Bechira at this loftiest level. And that is the key moment. It's what do you do when you have that intense, you've built up that through the emotional level, you've built up. Now, they had something more. They had prophecy. Me and my Pesukah I'm not going to achieve prophecy. But when you get to this awareness of Hashem's presence in your life, then what do you choose? That is the key question. How does it change you? What do you do with it? And what they did at there, he says, is what Adam Harishan did in Gan Eden. Adam Harishan was tempted. Rabbi Tatz describes it. He says, what could he have been tempted by? He didn't have a Yetzirah internally, right? He was tempted by good. He was tempted by the good of that level of being able to choose Hashem with that kind of total Bechira. That was, that was the temptation. And similarly, at the Red Sea, we did not say Hashem melech le'olam va'ed, but Hashem yimloch le'olam va'ed, because we weren't ready to give up our Bechira. 
If we had said, Hashem Melech Le'olam Va'ed, in this moment, now and forever, Hashem is God and Hashem is the King, and there is nothing outside of that. There's no, right? What I'm saying is, I'm choosing and I'm express, I'm recognizing Hashem, and what I'm expressing is a Bechira choice to choose only whatever is his Ratzon. He is the King forever. Hashem Melech Le'olam Va'ed. So whatever he commands, that's what we do. And that if I say that, then there is no more Bechira after that, essentially. And now with us, our level rises and falls constantly, because that's hum- being human in this world is nothing stays the same. So our level rises and falls. So if we could achieve that level, we would still go up and down. So there would be Bechira after the fact. No matter how good our Shema is, we do find that later in the day we may have challenges. Okay, but when Klai Yisrael as a group had reached this unbelievable level, there was a Yeshua moment that was happening there. And there was, in fact, the possibility of Hashem Melech Le'olam Va'ed. And it was hard to give up Bechira. It was hard to say we'll never again choose. Even if it's for the good side, meaning because we want that ability, that humanity to choose Hashem. So we chose Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Va'ed, which is in the future, kind of not quite yet, but that also means that universal recognition of Malchus Shamayim only occurs at some time in the future. But they said Le'olam Va'ed, so they didn't right. say So Yimloch, when he chooses, when he is Melech, it will be forever. Right. I'm just not quite right. ready. It was right? very scary to them. Right. He says it would have resulted in immediate and unopposed settlement of Eretz Yisrael. Hashem would have been recognized as king of the universe, the Beis HaMikdash, the capital of Malchus Shamayim on earth, the Yomos HaMashiach. But they weren't thinking, we don't want that. Right. right? It was just to not have any more Bechira. I mean, the, now, this ties into what Rabbi Goldberg has been talking about on Thursdays, right? right. Because what it means is that if I have recognition of Hashem's malchus to the extent that I can see that truth, I think Rav Dessler called it like the achtus of the MS, mm-hmm. then the Bechira is not an issue, right? He kind of says like, Bechira is the clarification of the truth. After that, of course you're going to do the right thing. Right, it just kind of it's not that that's where the, the tension is not choosing the right thing when there's clarity, right? You stop and you clarify. The challenge is to, to make the intellectual choice of intellectually clarifying. Right. When you do that, that can affect back to your emotional state below it. Exactly. And that's, right, that's what he was talking about. Okay. That's this same idea. Through the recognition of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and actually experiencing him as the king of the universe, after that, the Bechira is not, doesn't have that intensity. That's, that's the state that's known as Adam HaRishon Kodem HaChet. Uh-huh. Right? He had free will, but he would not normally have ever used it in a way that was wrong. We can't even relate to that, because what is free will if you would never use Right? But it means that free will is truly an intellectual choice. It's not, it's not an emotional struggle. Uh-huh. Bechira is, is really the mind. 
And so Adam was able to choose to do the wrong thing, but when he chose to do that, it was really an intellectual choice. Rabbi Tatz talks about it as this temptation, an intellectual temptation for only what was good. He wanted the good. Right. So he thought that that would be better. Right, right, right. Right? That was wrong. But he thought it would be better. Okay. I, I really felt that this helped me kind of pull together, like what also what Rabbi Goldberg has been talking about, this, this idea of like, so the more you see the truth and the more you experience the truth, the less the Bechira is. Right, because your actions flow from that recognition. Right, exactly. And when there's universal recognition of Hashem, right. then we're not going to keep floating up and down so that we can have it in one moment and three hours later we're back to the struggle. Right. Because then you'll have a universal recognition of Hashem and this becomes a whole different state for humanity. That's a miraculous thing. That change of that whole state becomes a miraculous change back to that state of Adam HaRishon called the Machid and then the whole universe can click back into that process. Okay. So I was going to do a drop of this Derek Hashem over here. Derech Hashem, in the first section, he says. So in, this, in the world, then, there are two general influences. Well, yeah, we don't need to start at the beginning right now. There are two basic sort of flows, workflows, that are opposite. The first one he calls tivis muhrachas, meaning uh, natural and predetermined which means Hashem, uh, not predetermined, determined. Hashem is moving forces on high, and you can imagine them as large levers or sticks reaching down into this world, and he moves them up there, and each movement affects a movement below it, and there's an effect down below in the physical world. That's what girl said last night. Hashem was doing, was doing something up there because we had an earthquake. Yes. <laughs> He was doing something up there, and we feel it down there. That's a good example of Pesuket B'Zemr and Yerushimayim feeling, by the way. The feeling that an earthquake makes, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a deep-seated kind of a fear. Mm -hmm. You can't turn that off. Like, and right before Rosh Hashanah. Right. Like they're very right. mystical. Guys. And it does really arouse inside of you that feeling of Yira, right. that Hashem is so big and so powerful and can... He is in charge of all of it. Right. Okay. So that's, that's Tivis Mukhrachas. But the second is Bechiris, the free will choice. These are the two forces in the world. And the force of that which plays out in the natural world, which are all these forces that Hashem is controlling from on high and sending down through various channels, and they affect what happens in the world, that's from above to below. And then there is the free will that he put it into people, which is then us being given the ability to move those sticks from below. We can affect, now we only do that through more or less our effect in the physical realm because that's where we're living. So we wiggle those sticks from down below and they have an impact on high. His point is we are touching those same channels, but from the bottom. So the impact is even in the highest worlds, whether we know that or not, they're there. Now, he says, nonetheless, we should know that Hashem is still in control of things. So to the extent that he lets us do this or not do it or succeed or not succeed, that's not necessarily okay? necessary to know, however, that even man's deeds are not all the result of his free will. 
There's also Gezeira, there's also, there are things that could be that a person will do or, or apparently choose to do something without maybe thinking too much, and that was a Gezeira on him. That's not necessarily, okay. So that's this piece. There's another little Derach Hashem piece, which I didn't print out. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty ominous to think that um, you know something that I do down here can affect. Right. It sounds like something you'd read in like Hasidic books or something, powerful. but like, what is that? But yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's something that should give us reason to stop and think and say, mm-hmm. what am I doing? Like, you know, what was that? Just one cigarette. Never hurt anybody. Like my little action. I'm like, oh, what difference does it make what I do? And realizing that like what I do might make a really big difference. I may not think of myself so much, but the truth is I'm a human being. Well it's like when you have an opportunity to do a chesed, you know, you think about that. You think, well Hashem's given me this opportunity to do a chesed, so I should learn to do it. And then you think that, um, well is it necessary convenient? Is it the thing I want to do right now? But you say, you know, it, it's like yeah. Yeah, that ties in very well to those other points over here. Okay. So Dara Hashem also says earlier, he says, the purpose of creation is for Hashem to give of his goodness to others. And it says and Hashem was talking about that we're put on this earth to do good. That's what we're here, right, which makes sense, because if that's what the earth is for, right. Okay, then what are we doing here? Well, we, and that's a powerful thing because that means we become partners or messengers in delivering Hashem's goodness to other people. And Hashem is Hashlemus Ha'amiti. He is the complete truth and complete perfection. And the more that we know that, the more that affects, can affect our behavior. Okay, now I saw something very amazing. The Chassam Sofer on Tehillim says on Perichav Zayin, which is what we say, L'davin Hashem Orivihishi, this time of year. Okay, so we have these Psukim. Horeni Hashem Darkecha. Hashem, please show me your ways. Unacheni or educate me in your ways. Unacheni be'orach mishor l'man shorai and guide me upon the straight and proper path because I have enemies. Don't give my soul over to those who are against me. When witnesses of falsehood, Hamas, and violence are there. Which I think it's interesting. It's probably not coincidental. The falsehood is in that. That's the enemy, right? This, the falsehood. If not for the fact that I trusted that I can see the good of Hashem, in the land of the living. Strengthen your heart. Uh, hope to Hashem, strengthen your heart, and hope to Hashem. Okay. So, the, a piece of, a piece of the Chassam Sofer. I have Bechira. That's called Liros, to see Huh. <laughs> well, that's that's, that's exactly yeah. That bechira is seeing. 
clarity and discernment. This is exactly it. Masha'ani borerly. That which I clarify for myself. What? That's a different way of thinking about the word leros, to see. He says, Lule Hemanti, if, if, if not for the fact that I could trust, Liros Betuv Hashem, that I could clarify and choose, right, to see the goodness of Hashem in the land of the living. Dichtiv, as it says in last week's parsha, Reinosati Lefanecha, behold, I give before you the, the, the blessing and the curse and the death and the, um, the blessing and the life and the death and the curse. And you should choose life. Yeah, and it starts with re. See, okay. I never knew that. <laughs> okay. Are you about to sneeze? The hainu lule hamanti ze mekavel Hashem. So what is this? If only, or if not for the fact that I trusted that I can see the good of God, he says. If not for that, then I would have just trusted in Hashem. I mean, I, or hope to Hashem. I would have said, Hashem, help. Okay. But now, I'm not just hoping to him. Now, I don't think he's saying, don't hope to God, right? right? But he's saying, you can't just sit there and say, Hashem, please help, without doing anything. Because okay. that will achieve nothing. Now, as puzzling as that is, at some level, you have to say, well, that makes sense if our purpose has to do with where we are holding and our development in my own life is my, certainly my purpose, then, then it makes sense that I'm going to achieve something in developing inside of myself. So he says, that rather, strengthen your heart, your own heart, to choose for yourself to serve Hashem and then then hope to Hashem that he will help you because whoever comes to purify himself is helped from heaven that's to complete it but that beginning that first step of coming to Tara you don't expect to get help with that that's a struggle yeah, that's your, that's your achievement too. And what is that starting? That starting point is the choosing. Hashem, I choose to do your will. Help me. Right, it's like Rabbi Goldberg gives the example of wanting to go to Ventura and ending up in San Diego. That's right. He says the minute that you turn the car around, the ch- that's the choice. Right. Exactly. The choice is the first step. That's Habali Tahir Messiah it's the choice, and it's a, and sometimes you can be so stuck in a situation that you literally are beside yourself and you don't know what you could do, and you want to just say Hashem help, right? And it's somewhere in that Hashem help you have to stop and say, there's something I'm meant to do here. I don't know what it is, so I can choose you. I choose. To do what you want me to do, even though right now I cannot figure out what that is. Well, it's funny because in this 12-step program they're in, so it says, like, what is the next right action? Like, you don't, mm-hmm. have, to, you don't have to solve the problems the of whole day. Thing. You don't have to solve the problems of your life. You have to just break it down into the small pieces, yeah. which is always habala tahir because you have to look at... You don't worry about the rest of it. right action that I have to take because once you make that... Really good decision that's really good it all kind of flows yeah you have to make the choice and then you 
then you hope to Hashem to help you right. to, okay. to achieve it. But that choice of really choosing to choose, that's really will, right? It's the willing. This is what I really will. This is what I want most. This is what I am choosing. It's a very powerful thing. And this is what Hillel said, if I am not for myself, in other words, choosing the path of life, then who's going to be for me? In other words, no, no, it's not. Because without that, you should not expect that Hashem will just make all of your life develop on its own so that you grow, right? You have to choose to serve Hashem. And then, and then he says, but when I am for myself, meaning I clarified it. It's amazing to me how he uses that same language over there. Then what am I? Meaning then that's when I should realize that I have no strength. Before I start, I have to think the only one who has the power to do anything here is me. Right? Proactive. I'm the only one who has any power to do anything here. That's the choosing. Once I chose, then ma'ani. Then I, that's when I look around and say, actually, <laughs> I don't actually have the ability to do it. I'm going to fly the plane. And then you get in there and say, well, right? Could some control tower, could you provide some instructions, please? Because I don't actually know how to do this. So Hashem will help, and he will help you get there. And that is how Balatahar Masayelo, Kilig Morha'inyan, to complete anything, you need Hashem's own. Okay, so just an interesting, he's saying it's how we frame in our mind. Where do we think we are at the time, right? right, To know what is the right moment to choose and what is the right moment to say, Hashem, you do it. And I'm giving over everything. And it's not simple. This is our daily avoda, is to work this out. I thought, I was blown away by this. I saw this on Shabbos, and obviously it goes to the Parsha, but it's like quite an amazing... When you hear that, it's... uh, it's talking about, like, if I'm only for myself, it's more like being a kind of a I think that's how I never understood it this way. This is a a cool way of understanding it. And it fits very, very neatly. Right? right? And it also explains that kaveel Hashem, hope to Hashem, chazak v'yamit libecha, but then you got to strengthen your own heart. you got to, you know, like, brace yourself to do the job that needs to be done, but kaveel Hashem, and hope to Hashem. Like, in the end, that's, yeah, like it is bracketed by Kaveh Hashem, but you have to know that your job is to assume at some point it's all up to you. It's a way of thinking about it to realize I do have to be proactive. I do have to make choices, and my life will be affected by that, and the world will be affected by my choices. That's not the moment to think, well, really, it's all in Hashem's hands, and whatever happens is all under his control, because then you're thinking, oh, so nothing I do matters. But once it's knowing when to think about which part of it. Of the fact that what you do down here affects what happens up there. So then we have a complete picture and we understand we have to do our Hashem. But ultimately, but ultimately, ultimately it's right. really Hashem. Hashem. That was the Terah Hashem, right? He said we have free will and we will think so about. But really you should know that even so Hashem is still in charge. He still decides the scope of what you're going to be able to achieve. And if you're going to be able to achieve... And even some of the choices, it's, but, but where do you focus yourself on which part of this picture at which time is actually kind of helpful. Okay. So this is, so now we have seeing equals Bechira. Okay, seeing clearly, right, is Bechira. And choosing to clarify is the seeing. 
love you. Okay? And where that brings you to, if you use that Bechira properly, it brings you to Das, knowledge. It brings you to MS, right? Understanding MS, seeing MS. It brings you to love. Das, we know Das is love, right? The Torah will use the word Das to describe a husband loving his wife which is because of intimate knowledge. We can translate das as intimate knowledge. Because the more you really know someone, the more you love them. Okay, these are all kind of equals. Das, emes, and ava. And then you go look at the brachos of shema and shema, that's exactly what they're talking about. Das, knowledge, Torah, which is how, if we want to know Hashem better and clarify, who he is and what he wants of us, that's what Torah is. That's why Torah is such a gift. Because otherwise, how would we begin to approach that? I mean, how did Avraham do that? There's only one Avraham. There's only one Avraham was that I want to know Hashem. And went out and figured out an awful lot. But we can't, like, what are we going to get to with that? Right? Hashem did us this unbelievable loving kindness of giving us a Torah and speaking to us so that we're something we could listen to, which is Shema Yisrael, right? Which is recognizing that Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, it's really elevating that to the knowledge, trying to, as best as we can, recognize Him and speak that out. And that's love. That's Hashem Elokeichem Emes at the end of Shema. It is literally the theme of Shema is reaching this level. And this level is that level. So if Yira, Yira Shemaim, I think I wrote that here, right, was at this level of where we can achieve in our avoda and in our relationship with Hashem, we get to Ahavas Hashem at the level of Shema through this knowledge and will which turn out to be very much one and the same. This related concept. Okay. So then what is the ultimate Bechira then that we're learning over here? The ultimate Bechira then is choosing Hashem's will. Right? And this is where we did get a little bit stuck. Shira, do you want to push her around in the stroller for a few minutes? Either in this room or in the hallway? Good girl we have here. Yeah. Yeah. She was going to walk in now. If she finds them, hopefully she's going to walk today, her little walk. I wish I had a picture of this, because this is a good memory. Do you want me to take a microphone? It's okay. I'll take a picture with my brain. She was a very experienced big sister, so she knows how to take care of babies. Thank you. Okay. So then the ultimate choice and the ultimate level in Shema is... Oh, okay, good. (laughs) It doesn't bother me either, actually. I'm used to it. Okay. The ultimate choice is what we call Kabbalah Smalchus Shemai. Kabbalah, how do we translate that? Receiving, accepting... But Kabbalah is not passive. So on the one hand, it's 
the, let's say, feminine side in a giving and receiving relationship, mm-hmm. right? Kabbalah versus Nisina, giving. Mm-hmm. But it's not passive. Kabbalah means I receive it. I, I receive it willingly. I accept it. I reach out my hand to take the gift. So the same way a woman gets a, a ring at her wedding, that's not passive. It's receptive, but it's active. It's chosen. It has to be chosen, right? If you would force a ring on her, on her finger, nobody would say she's married. Right. Not halakhically, not by any standard. She's not married. Right? She has to receive the kasuba. She, he has to give it to her, but she has to take it from him. Okay, so Kabbalah is, cho- is choosing. It's a choosing, and it's receptive, but it's not passive. That's Kabbalah's Malchus Shamayim, is we accept Hashem as the king, not because we're lying on the floor with our faces in the mud saying uncle, or king, right? It's because we have Bechira and Ratzon. We have the choice, and we have the desire. We want him to be the king. So love becomes the source and the result of our struggle to serve Hashem. All of our effort, that comes from love. That is, okay. So. It's funny because, um, you know, we know the Rosh Hashanah and Kippur by your brother. So that's one of the themes that he talks about a lot. Yeah. So here, we're talking about free will, right? It's not contradicting what he's saying. We're talking about what we do for him. This is in the realm of the supernatural. Mm-hmm. In the world of the, I mean, this, you know, it also touches on like Kabbalistic areas that we definitely would not mm-hmm. be able to go to should we care to, right? right? But with free will, maybe we can't actually do anything because we need Hashem to do it. But Hakobi De Shemayim Chutzmir Shemayim. What we think about and that effort and that choice, that's ours. Right? We talk about that on, on Rosh Hashanah, right? That's our, what can we do for Hashem? We're mamluchim. Right. Why? Right? There's Omagon, there's a Moshel, and there's a Melech. There's a ruler, like a dominating ruler, but a Moshel is whether you like it or not. He could be the kindest dictator, but you didn't vote him in. A Melech is everyone says, long live the king. After that, by the way, once he's your king, you have to do whatever he says. Right. He can commandeer your land if he wants to. Right? He has right of eminent domain. He can just take your stuff. He can draft your kids into his army. He can impose taxes on you, and you may not like it, and you have to do it. But originally, you accepted him. A melech, you accepted, and then you have to do whatever he says. That is the ultimate bechira. The ultimate bechira, b'imam Hashem, is because we say he's a melech, is saying, Hashem, I choose you, and in choosing you, I choose your will. That is my will. Whatever is your will, that's what my will is. That's what I want to. And that's in the future and going forward. And that's a scary thing. So we have Hashem, right? But really what we're aiming for is Hashem, this is the level of Malchus and Rosh Hashanah of Malchus. We're really struggling. Okay. And this, it's a making myself and my ego transparent in a sense to Hashem's will saying that I have a, I have will it's not that I don't have will right and that's an active that is, that is super that active, active act that's the ultimate that activation of the, yeah. point. 
That's the book of our point. Wow. It's beautiful. I'm almost done with Cher. We're just finishing now. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see what you did. Okay. So here's how one way I saw I think this is Rav Schwab saying Shema is a declaration that with Bechira, one accepts all Malchus Shamayim and gives away his own Bechira to that. We, we give our Bechira to Hashem's will. And that's, that, it is the ultimate active role, even though it's on the receptive side. Right, because we know in the end, Hashem's will is what's going to prevail, but it's our mindset when we approach. That's right. And it's knowing that there is that active, you ain't on mealy mealy. There's a job here I have to do. And if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it for me. But this job is entirely in my hands. So there's one more piece that I wanted to share. Well, technically two, but okay. Which is an awesome little Ibn Ezra, also from last week's Parsha, Hanit Savin. It says, Behold, I am giving you to choose, right? Did I bring, oh, here's the puzzle. I bring to testify for you today the heavens and the earth, the life and the death, I've given before you, the blessing and the curse. She's teasing her. I, I imagine probably, although there's no sign of them yet. Well, but it usually happens before. Yeah. I just want to read this last thing. You shall choose life. In order that you should live, you and your children. Now, if you read that Pasuk alone, it's incredible, but it's puzzling. Because what do you mean, choose life in order that you'll live? Choose life in order that you should live? First of all, you're alive already. Okay? And you're not being promised to live forever. I mean, there's, I suppose, promise for the... It's such a cute age. Okay. But it seems like you're saying then the life is its own end. Well, but also... You're alive to choose life so that you'll live. So he says you have to read it into the next Pasuk. And when you see the next Pasuk starts with Le'ahava es Hashem, to love Hashem, which is clearly a continuation. It's not the beginning of a sentence. Okay. So the, really the way it reads is Uvacharta b'chaim, choose life, l'mantichya tavizarecha, in order that you will live, you and your children, to love Hashem your Lord, to listen to his voice and to cling to him, because he is your life and your length of days. So the Ibn Ezra says, life and death, they're the same as the blessing and the curse. You should choose life. In order that you should live, physically keep living or in memory keep living. Upiresh, the Pesach goes on to explain, ki hachayim heim la'ahava. Life is for love. That's what we're here for. That's exactly the same thing Derek Hashem said. What's the purpose of this world? To bring God's goodness to others. That's what the whole universe is for. So when we're born into life in this world, we're supposed to be part of that, right? And ultimately what that comes down to then is choose life in order that you can love Hashem your God and share it. And that is a very different way to think about a Rosh Hashanah davening. 
And what we bring into saying, Zachreinu l'chaim elachafetz b'chaim, l'mancha elokim chaim. Like, what am I asking for when I say, give me life? Mm-hmm. I'm asking for, give me life because I'm thinking about all the things I want, or am I thinking about, give me life because all the things I want are how I'm serving you. Or this is all for you. We say that, like, yeah. just really knowing that we're in Hashem's hands, but yet it's still our choice to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want, we want to choose to want to be in His hands because right. we're going to be in His hands anyway. Right. Is, is that's one piece of it and another piece of it is all the things we ask for in Rosh Hashanah right. the life, the health, the parnasa, the right. children, right. whatever it is the, the shidduchim, you know, whatever it is that we're asking for, why? what is our life for? what are all the things for the, in our lives? Right. it's for this love and it's for this love of Hashem that it's all here it's for these choices and for so when I'm asking for something, this is Rav Hershon Baruch, you know, I don't say Hashem bless me. When we say Baruch at Hashem, Rav Hersh does not accept the translation, Hashem bless me. He says it means Hashem may your will be blessed through me. Mm-hmm. May your will be implemented through me. Mm-hmm. That's what Baruch at Hashem means. It's that same idea that I have something to contribute. Right. I have something to give, I want to do. So if I'm saying, whatever you've given me, that's what, I, that's what I have to do with. And if I see that something's missing, you know, so in the same way that if I see, uh, you know, I don't know, there's a problem. Uh, I ra- I'm, I'm not shy to go to the office and say, could I borrow a highlighter for a project I'm doing for the school? There's nothing wrong with asking the boss to provide you with the tools to do the job you're doing for him. Right. That's an expression of wanting to do for him. Right. That's a whole different slant on Rosh Hashanah, really. Well, and it also gives you a lot of equanimity because that when the little annoyances in life pop up, you have a frame of reference and you just are able to keep it in perspective. Yeah. yeah. So do we always manage to keep it in perspective? No, but the more we have that awareness, then it does. It automatically creates the perspective. But you have to be there. So, so hopefully more and more minutes will be with that awareness and perspective. I'm glad you came. Thank you. Yeah, we're going. Yeah.